Hello and welcome to Irreverent Testimony, brought to you by Netroots Radio, the political podcast by and for millennial and Gen Xer types from a left-wing perspective. It is Saturday, October 12th, 2019. I'm Travis. I'm Rachel. And I apologize in advance. Our cat is extra, uh, what, this morning? Just I a don't huge know. pain in the ass. Needy, wild. Knocking things over. Just... So if you hear a microphone get knocked over or meowing into the microphone... He's having a moment. <laughs> he's I don't know what he's doing. He's definitely it's having... It's my black cat, and yep. black cats See, have so much personality, goes. and he just is having a whole personality this morning. Yes. So, Blixa might be part of the podcast today. <laughs> <laughs> you could hear him already. He knows we're talking about him. Stop. Shh. So, hi, Blixa. Thank you for Thank joining you. us. Oh, that's lovely. What he's, would you like to start with? He's snuggling me. Talking. Okay. All right. So, um... This week was a tough one for the queers, yeah. LGBTQ plus community. Uh, it was it's it's an entirely tough week for a lot of reasons. Um, primarily, I think for me was the um, cases before the Supreme Court, which we're going to talk about. I'm going to try to explain it in a way that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but the idea that um, like our our very humanity is being debated. A, amongst a bunch of old straight people yeah. um, is really hard. And it's okay if it's hard for you. It was really hard for me. And I really had a hard time this week, and I'm still having a hard time. Because what we're not talking about, like, do we get new rights? We're talking about stripping away the ones that we sort of were depending on, mm-hmm. like the right to have a job and live in a place. Particularly to have a job um, are the three cases that we're going to talk about. Um, and that seems like a basic thing that like you should be able to have a job if you're queer, <laughs> but uh, but the court's gonna decide if, if well specifically you should have the right to not be fired right. or refused or or denied employment because of your sexual, sexual orientation or gender identity right. So this is complicated, y'all. Um, on top of that, it's the 21st anniversary of Matthew Shepard's murder, mm-hmm. um, and also National Coming Out Day, <laughs> all wrapped up in a week. Yeah. So it's been, it's just been sort of like a weird, tough uh, week for me, including like a mental health day from work, because I just needed to like have a day, you know? For those of you who tune in and want to hear update on all the impeachment stuff, we'll get to that in the second half. Yeah. But we got some other stuff we want to talk about in the first half. I just, this is, yeah. If you don't want to hear about queer stuff, fuck you. And stop listening to my <laughs> podcast. But um, And be very offended by Elizabeth Warren, <laughs> right. I guess. I guess. We're going to talk about some queer stuff at the top. Because it's it's on my mind and it's been in my in my heart and my brain all week. Well, for, um, for those new listeners, why don't just give your background. Say why you have a personal stake in this. Oh, I'm queer. I identify as queer. Um, I don't use the like bi label or pan label because both of them just seem like loaded loaded in the way. So I just say queer. Um, but I uh, I I am a queer woman, and uh, and so that to me that means that I like date and um, have romantic and sexual relationships with people all across the gender binary spectrum. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so this is tough. Um, for me, and I am a particularly privileged queer person because I uh, absolutely can pass as straight. Um, 
You're in cis, fact, I'm cis, white. right? I'm cis, white, straight passing mm-hmm. woman. So I have a lot of privilege um, in the queer space, which is also hard <laughs> in its own way. Um, but but certainly I, I carry a lot of privilege. Um, but the queer community is really important to me, and mm-hmm. and I am less. I think my anxiety this week was less about myself um, because I live in Colorado, which is one of 22 states that has employment protections for LGBTQ folks. Um, So a federal stripping away of those rights wouldn't necessarily affect me. Um, But for the rest of my people, and particularly this week my trans folks, you know, this is really a stripping away of their humanity. These arguments at the court were just, like, tough to listen to. Um, and it felt really like a throwback to the 1990s. <clears throat> the arguments that were made on the other side were hard to listen to because, uh, you know, I think we all thought that we came to this point of progress and everybody got on board and everybody's sort of okay with the gays and doesn't everybody love Queer Eye and, mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, I got really tired of listening to straight people tell me everything was going to be okay this week because everybody sort of, your mom came around and it's like, yeah, but your mom's not on the Supreme Court. Like, <laughs> yeah. these are, we have changed the Supreme Court since the last time anything got decided about LGBTQ rights. Mm -hmm. And the two new guys are Neil Gorsuch, um, who really made his career around defending the idea that your religious rights, uh, your religion, gives you the freedom to discriminate against people. Right. And Brett Kavanaugh, who I expect him to to see my humanity (laughs) for sure, right? He has... He's Brett Kavanaugh. If you mean to explain that more, Google it. Um, so that's where I am emotionally. Um, and there were three cases that were heard October 8th. Mm-hmm. Do you want to? No, yeah, I was going to say, why don't we get into how these cases came to be and what states they were from and yeah. how they how they got, amazingly even got to the Supreme well, Court. Well, the fact... Like, so the Supreme Court gets to decide what cases it wants to hear. Mm-hmm. And there's a couple of things about that that I'm not going to get into about like standing and stuff like that. But they decided that these cases were worth hearing. And why that's upsetting is that um, they decided that, that it's debatable, right? Whether or not we should be able to be fired for being queer um, or LGBTQ plus in whatever way that is. Um, because these are these are already rights that they've already said they're they're standing rights. So what they're saying essentially is like we're going to consider overturning our own precedent mm-hmm. because they have a new court now. Yeah, and that's really concerning. And didn't this one, the main one, start in Texas? I'm not sure which state it was. Yeah, the main one. Well, so there's three yeah. um, cases. Two of them are gay men who were fired for being gay. Um, and one is a trans woman who was fired for being trans. And um, Now, the court's rationale for even taking this case is religious freedom? It isn't. It's really about Title VII. Mm. So Title VII says that you can't discriminate against people based on their... I'm just going to read it directly. Because of an employee's race, color, religion, sex, or national origin. Okay, so they're saying it doesn't... 
sexual orientation doesn't fit into any of those. So they're sort of relitigating what the Supreme Court but already, already decided. decided that yeah. it does. Right? So that's it, the concerning part of this. Right. Why are they taking up something they already Correct. decided on? They're willing to overturn they don't, themselves. They don't do that. They're willing to overturn their own precedent. Yeah. And that's the really upsetting part, is they've already decided for a, a complicated legal reason, which makes a lot of sense, which I'm about to explain, that sex includes sexual orientation and gender identity. Mm-hmm. And, and Kennedy was the swing vote on that. And Kennedy Kennedy wrote the majority opinion and yeah. then resigned when Donald Trump was the president. And it was 5-4, right? And I will never forgive him, yes. I, yeah, so... I will never forgive him for doing that. So, the idea is that Title VII happened um, right in 1965, or 64, I'm sorry, uh, of the Civil Rights Act. It was the seventh title of the Civil Rights Act, which said that you can't discriminate against an employee based on those things. And so, try not to get into the weeds. Okay, so that being said, um, in 1989, there was a case uh, which was Price Waterhouse v. Hopkins mm-hmm. before Price Waterhouse was Price Waterhouse Cooper. Um, and there was a woman who worked for this company and her employer told her that she did not conform to her gender appropriately in that he wanted her to like wear high heels Mm -hmm. and makeup and curl her hair and wear lipstick and nylons at work. And she didn't want to do that. And so he fired her. And so she sued Pricewaterhouse at the time Mm -hmm. and said, that's sex discrimination. Yeah, You do not require men to wear makeup and high heels and stilettos, right? And so her very smart lawyers said that part of sex discrimination is gender stereotyping. Right. Which is, you can't fire someone because they do not conform to your idea of what their gender should be. Right. And they were very smart in using the word gender, but also including sex, right? Because Mm -hmm. she's a woman, she shouldn't be required to do things that you don't require a man to do. And so... They argued to the Supreme Court and she won. And that was the case that established the idea that we're allowed to use gender stereotypes as a form of sex discrimination under Title VII, Mm -hmm. which is the basis for basically all LGBTQ rights in this country. Because if you say a man can be fired for loving a man, but a woman can't be fired for loving a man, that's sex discrimination. Because if, if a woman, you, you can't fire a woman for being married to a man, then you can't fire a man for being married to a man, yeah. and vice versa, right? And what's, what's frightening is one weaselly thing that this court has been doing is they've, been, they've, they've done this with gerrymandering and done this with a couple other things. They'll be like, look, we're not saying that discrimination based on sexual orientation is good. It's bad. Yes. But the law is not being applied right here. Yes. So it's up to Congress to fix yes. this. Correct. So in the meantime, yeah, go ahead and fire well, your gay employees. It's not unconstitutional. Right. That's the only thing the Supreme Court does, right, is say whether or not this law is well when it's or not. Con- when it's convenient. Right. Because there's plenty of opinions that are just like, "Hey, this is the right thing to do." Right. This is one of them, right? So this case has been really the basis for everything we've done since then. Mm-hmm. For the idea that um, 
LGBTQ people can get married, can not be fired. Like we've used Price Waterhouse as the the standard, the precedent, right? Yeah, for, it would cause a, LGBTQ a, a lot of chaos if they roll this back. Not just for LGBTQ folks, by the way. No. Should this pass, and you're a cis straight person, I would like you to know that you may be required to wear stilettos and lipstick if your boss so decides that that is the <laughs> gender stereotype that should be a woman. Right. Or a man. What if what if your boss decides I want all the men to wear stilettos? I mean, like, I laugh because it's so absurd that if we're going to go this direction and undo the common sense we figured out, what, 40, 50 years ago. Like, well, in, in the 80s, but yeah. Yeah, well, that's... Not, we're getting uh, running up on 40 years ago in the 80s. I'm not 40 yet. I, I know, Stop. but we're, you know. <laughs> we're getting there, we're right? Getting there, yeah. No, but yeah, I mean, we've been figuring this out, and... And very smart people have been using this precedent for a long time to say this, like, sex discrimination applies to gender. It just automatically does. And so the argument for trans people has always been, because very smart lawyers have said, and this is the case that they're hearing right now, is this woman, Amy, worked for this funeral home. Amy is a transgender woman. Her boss found out that she's a transgender woman, and her boss decided that she should act like and behave with the gender stereotypes and norms of a man because that was, in his opinion, um, the gender or the sex that she was assigned at birth, right? Yeah. So mm -hmm. because her sex assigned at birth was male, she should dress, act, and behave as a male to his, right, like, whatever he thinks that is, whatever being a man is for him is what she should do because to him, she is a man. Right. He literally, I'm going to try to see if I can find this quote, said something about, like, um, you're, you, God can't exist, you can't, def it's just horrifyingly bad, right? So, <clears throat> the idea that if... A man comes to work in a dress, and this is what's going to be super triggering for my trans folks, and I'm not saying this because I believe that this is accurate or anything, but this is also why some reading some of the like um, arguments before the court was really hard, because mm -hmm. they're, they are sort of having to make this argument about sex and, and then layer in gender later, and it's yeah. like really like dysphoric, I think, for a lot of trans people to read this stuff, because it's like... I am referring to this woman as a man because that is how they have to sort of do it to make it about sex. So apologies and skip forward like about 30 seconds if you need to. But so the idea that if Amy were a man um, and she were to come to work dressed differently, um, dressed in a dress and with like high heels and makeup, that that would be a reason to fire her because she did not conform to her employer's version of what a man looks like um, because she was assigned male at birth. That's a reason to fire her, which is what happened to her. Um, that's the argument, is that you wouldn't do that if she were assigned female at birth, right? Mm -hmm. So if she were assigned female at birth and dressed that way, you wouldn't fire her, but because she was assigned male at birth, you would fire her. That's sex discrimination. Right. Right? Mm -hmm. Okay. So... That's what we're up against. And the arguments uh, are horrifying. And 
again, I don't know. I, I don't know what the court's going to do. Well, again, I, I want to talk about the potential politics of this. Um, there's two sides to it. The first is, wow, you're really going to drop this bomb a year before an election when you've already got, if you're thinking like politically, which yeah. these guys do, they say they don't, they do. Of course. Gorsuch and Alito and Roberts and Kavanaugh uh, and Thomas are all thinking like, what is good for my party, the Republican Party? Right. And they have to know that, that you drop this atomic bomb 12 months before an election when you're already uh, facing <laughs> the, the possibility of political extinction is really dangerous. The, the other side is this was exactly what you got put on the court to do. Yes. Like, so that's my argument is right. I think it looks bad because if you look at – this is what straight people kept telling me all week, which was what I was bitching about, which is that – you know, it's in, in in the 60s to 70s percent range, public polling wise, of people supporting LGBTQ rights, particularly under like employment and housing. Mm-hmm. Um, most people are like, no, you can't fire someone for being gay. Trans is a little less, and that's harder. Um, I think that's the one that I'm really most concerned about is that case. But, um, but literally, the entire reason the evangelical faction of the Republican Party has stood with Donald Trump, even though he's a philanderer and a rapist and an atheist and like hates everything and that's it's profane. And he profane. lets Christian die, Christians die in the Middle yeah, East. Yeah, doesn't and... care about literally anything Christians care about. And the reason that they are his most steadfast uh, base is precisely because of this moment. Mm-hmm. Since about 1980, uh, when the evangelical Christian right was well, just evangelical Christians were sort of politicized. Mm -hmm. Um, The goal was anti-abortion, anti-gay, Supreme Court. Yeah, and you got... If we could overturn Roe was the goal in the 80s. And -hmm. then it became, when the 80s happened and the AIDS crisis happened and LGBTQ plus stuff started to come out, it was like, well, we obviously hate the fags, right? Mm -hmm. And so then it it was a dual moment. Like, we want abortion to be done, and we want gays to be not exist. And so this all has polarized in this moment around Donald Trump, which is their lasting hope, because Kennedy retired. We didn't let Obama uh, appoint his Supreme Court justice. So, like, they literally do not care what Republican is in office. This has been 30 years in the making of we need to have a Republican to change the nature of the Supreme Court. Right. Supreme Court's too liberal. It's allowed Roe. It's allowed all this stuff, right? Got closer with with W, got closer with Citizens United, like a lot of that stuff. But really, the, the, the overarching goal was Roe and gays. Yes. And so... As long as we have a Republican president in office, we'll have enough lobbyists and senators and people around him to tell him which people to appoint to make sure that those two things happen. Yeah. That we overturn gay rights and that we overturn Roe. And you got Bill Barr out there today yep. prattling on about uh, religious freedom and the secularists are taking over and blah, blah, blah. And that is not oh, yeah. the place for, for the, the AG. Fucking attorney, the fucking attorney... America's lawyer. Yeah, is I mean, like, Sessions didn't even play that card. And really. Sessions is Sessions. Yeah, right. 
Like, at least he was talking about pot. Like, that's something the DOJ has something to do with, right? Law enforcement. Right. Bill Barr coming out and being like... And being like, eh, the Constitution was wrong. And, right? Like, oh, no, this is not a non-Christian nation. This is a Christian nation, and that's the only religion that's ever been able to uphold the values that, like, our country needs. And so these secularists are doing this terrible thing of making people not... And it's like... First of all, why are you talking about this? And and is this like a separation of church and state thing? Like, so are you going to like start, you want to make a law or you want to enforce a law around people who aren't Christian? Like, it's very upsetting and disturbing. And well, you know, like I've been saying, as things get much more desperate and now Barr is doing this because he's in the same position as Trump. He's in real trouble. Yeah. And he needs his most ardent allies to be most whipped up and fired up and not abandon him. And that's the evangelical base. Right. I don't, I don't know. Bill Barr knowing his career, he's not a religious firebrand. Like this shit is like from left field. What is he talking about? Why is he doing this? It's weird. No. Well, I'm telling you why, because their, their firewall are those evangelicals, those crazy evangelicals. Mm -hmm. Trump was sent from God. Like, right. They, we need an, a fortress of them to survive this. Right. And so that's what he's playing to. Right. So and, just before we get off the Supreme Court cases, the, uh, the other argument that the other side is making is that this is not within the spirit of the law. That mm-hmm. the law was not written and directed to address um, same-sex LGBTQ rights. Right? It just wasn't. That's not the, that wasn't what we were intended to do. And I'm just going to read this quote, which is basically what they're saying. They just found a a nicer way to say it. Mm -hmm. Um, So back in 1965, a year after this was signed into law, um, an early gay rights group called the Mattachine Society asked the federal government to end a policy declaring openly gay people unsuitable for federal employment. Yeah. I think it was like 1976 or something. Uh, no, 1975 was the first time the, the federal ban on hiring gay people was lifted. Prior to 1975, this was the government's response. The revulsion of other employees by homosexual conduct and the consequent disruption of service efficiency, the apprehension caused other employees of homosexual advances, solicitations or assaults, The unavoidable subjugation of the sexual deviate to erotic stimulation through on-the-job use of the common toilet, shower, and living facilities. The offense to members of the public who are required (laughs) to deal with a known or admitted sexual deviant to transact government business. The hazard that the prestige and authority of a government position will be used to foster homosexual activity, particularly among the youth, and the use of government funds and authority in furtherance of conduct offensive to both the mores and laws of our society. Is why we cannot employ. So the queers get get off on using the bathroom. Yeah, apparently. Right. Or no, this there was this. We're using these same arguments. We're just saying them in different ways right now. No, we're calling it religious religious freedom. And we're saying obviously we can't have you know gender neutral bathrooms because gays you've been fucking pissing and shitting with gays your entire life (laughs) and trans people forever yes and how many times have you been hit on in a bathroom 
assaulted by a gay man in a bathroom. No, their 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 thing is, and this is there's never been I think a reported case of this is a man, it, it, like just dressing up as a woman so he can go into the bathroom and molest kids. Like that's what they always go to. It's like what the fuck does that even mean? When has that ever happened? Right. And then you get into the turfs. There's been a real upsurge uh, of turfs this week, which yeah. is turfs. The goddamn turfs. We gotta talk about it because it's our own fucking folks. So it is trans exclusionary radical feminists. They're still out there. I see them popping up on Twitter, like yep. in my feed sometimes, and the yep. progressive feeds, and I'm just like, yep. oh my god, you people still exist. Yeah. Okay. okay. So it's basically second wave feminists who can't get around to the idea that trans women are women. Um, that gender non-binary folks can be a thing that right. should even exist. I mean, right. they're basically like <laughs> equivalent. Like you, you could make an argument from the Christian right about trans people, and it would be the exact same argument from turfs, and right. they are feminists. Right. Right. These are the people who like wanted to exclude trans women from the Lilith Fair in the '90s. Again, I feel like I'm in the '90s. <laughs> Uh, I didn't know that about Lilith Fair. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. The God Lilith Fair. Really? Oh, oh, yeah. No, no trans women. We're not having men invade our space. Oh, yeah. Masquerading God, as women yeah. to come assault women that. and yeah. all of this bullshit, right? Back in the very so early days of trans rights. Yeah, no, they've been around forever. And, like, they are being called out. And, like, our generation is just like, go fuck yourselves. What they consider trans women to be, and again, trans people this is going to be a little bit horrifying but just in case my like cis people don't know what the struggle is with these folks is they call trans women who's their only focus trans men they don't they're like you just want to gain male privilege i guess and so like you're <laughs> they don't get it but it's not a threat you want to gain male privilege so you're a traitor right and trans women though they they've termed this they've coined this term called autogynophilia which is that trans women aren't actually women, they are men right. who have right. sexual feelings about seeing themselves as women, that like they get off on looking in the mirror and seeing a woman, and then they like, I don't know, jerk off or something, and then that's what trans women are. It's so Jesus horrifying, Christ. and like, just like, have you ever met a fucking trans woman in your goddamn life? Oh, clearly not. Clearly it, not, it, or it, when you did, like, you just don't. You, you, they're, they're like the terrorists of the left for me. Like they're just the worst fucking people. It, it always goes back to that. The people that are so freaked out by trans men or trans women, especially, have never met a trans woman. Or if they have, they just like deny your very humanity because your very humanity challenges my old school bullshit thought about what I think the world should look like. Right. And turfs are. Mostly lesbian identified women who are old and older, white. Older, older, yeah. Old white lesbians. When we talk about Lilith Fair, like it doesn't seem that long ago to me. We were talking about people who were in their twenties then. Yeah, but, but the organizers of it twenty years ago. Exactly. Yeah. And the organizers of it weren't twenty. They were in their thirties and forties, which was now means they're in their fifties and sixties, and they just won't change. And they want to be like, well, I don't believe trans rights should be bad but like I don't want trans women or autogynophiles in my spaces and it's like fuck you shut up go away yep. nobody cares about you anymore and they're still um, they're still as outspoken but they're, yeah they're still out there um, so anyway it's a really tough week for for your uh, LGBTQ plus people so if you are uh, not one of those folks be extra nice to us this week and just sort of like 
Just listen. Listen and yeah. Don't just, don't try to talk. Just listen. Try to just be like, give us hugs and stuff. Yeah. And let you and let let them know we we got their back, which we do. I know. Which you said to me this week, which I was really appreciative of. Which was just like we're not going back. We're not, not letting them. And you're like a cis straight white guy. No, so you know. I appreciate uh, that. Us, us allies can't shrug at this and be like, oh well, that sucks. I hope you don't get fired. Like, no, this is this is not acceptable. No. Uh, and we don't know how the Supreme Court's going to rule, and when we don't know when this ruling's going to come down. But no. it, it in the next couple months, I guess. If not, yeah, sooner. it's usually a couple months that it takes. So, there's that. Right. And I'm going to give you some advice for my therapist, everybody who's worrying about this, which is <laughs> just try not to fortune tell. Try not to do the thing where you're like, let's, let's imagine the worst case scenario. And like, Don't do that. Just sit and think, let's just wait and see. Yeah. And in the meantime, I would recommend self-care. I spent a day snuggling my babies, my, my dogs and my cats, and my, my pajamas and uh, watching TV and made dinner and just didn't, I just unplugged, which I have a really hard time doing, but it was really good and I recommend it. And let's just wait and see and we'll see. And when we see, we'll know a lot of things about the court and we'll also know the next steps that we may or may not need to take. And we'll do that when we know, but let's not try to like, you know, figure out what will happen because we don't have any control not right now no um we did back when some of us decided whatever there's no difference between the two parties i'll vote third party whatever but i really did have a lot of anger this week about that like i've sort of gotten over my 2016 anger and this week it was like full throttle just like because we fucking know furious at everybody who voted that way because we know progressive and queer people who either stayed home or voted third party or voted for trump out of spite or you know but not even i'm not talking about the gay and queer people i'm talking about the fucking my parents yeah the people who supposedly love us and the people who supposedly care about us who voted for him out of some sense of fucking bullshit economic anxiety racism who are costing their potentially queer loved ones their economic security and like humanity in the world it's not up to queer people to vote for fucking the right people it's up to everybody else who's supposed to love us and i was fucking really pissed off about that this week like i went back to being like i don't want to talk to anybody who voted for him if you purportedly love me this is what you did And maybe you didn't think about it at the time, but maybe think about things. Maybe think about how your actions affect the people that you love. Mm -hmm. And maybe if you decide that this whole democratic system isn't worth it and it's bullshit, fine. But like, this is the shit I'm talking about where like elections have consequences. And your vote fucking matters, not because you're gonna have one vote, one voice blah 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 bullshit but because it literally determines supreme court justices that will be on the bench for the next 40 years and they can decide things like whether or not i can get fired or you have to wear fucking lipstick to work or you can get health care yeah lord knows what else right so it fucking matters and i just got all pissed off all over again this week it was just like you know fucking vote Staying on the topic of gender and sexuality, 
Uh, let's talk about Elizabeth Warren. Yes. And this article that came out in the Washington Post that uh, people are talking about. And it came after the equality debate, right? Mm-hmm. Some dude stood up. Is the article going to explain it, or do you want me to preface it? Um, I mean, yeah, the article explains it. Okay. So the title, I'll just read the article first, and then we'll talk about yeah. it. Yeah. Warren's same-sex marriage quip captures what some find exciting and others distressing about her. Mm. And the byline here is Annie Linsky. Okay, Annie. Came out last night. About 90 minutes into Thursday's forum on LGBTQ issues in Los Angeles, a gay rights leader posed a question to Senator Elizabeth Warren. How would she respond if a voter approached her and said, I'm old-fashioned and my faith teaches me that marriage is between one man and one woman? Warren responded with a theatrical seriousness. Well, I'm going to assume it's a guy who said that. She deadpanned, pausing a beat for the audience to catch the joke. Then she added, and I'm going to say, then just marry one woman. I'm cool with that. She finished with a zinger, assuming you can find one. (laughs) I loved it so much. I watched it. Her comedic timing is fucking brilliant. After landing her punchline, Warren turned, took a few steps, and smiled broadly as the room exploded in laughter. Her response went viral online, and by Friday afternoon, Warren's campaign team, which rarely brags about such things, was crowing that the clip had garnered more than 12 million views on Twitter. The glitterati, glitterati gushed. The single greatest response to this question in or outside politics, wrote actress Minnie Driver. Made my day, added actress Alyssa Milano. Javier Munoz, who recently played the title role in the Smash musical Hamilton, posted seven emoji of clapping hands. But Republicans and some Democrats warned that the quip at the CNN-sponsored forum would play poorly among a big swath of voters. It's about telling people who don't agree with you that they are backward by definition, said Hank Shingkopf, a Democratic strategist who advised Bill Clinton's presidential re-election campaign. This line was a stab to those who don't agree with her, he said, and it is a battle cry for men to turn out against Elizabeth Warren. The 44-second exchange captured the promise and peril of Warren's candidacy. It did it! She is quick-witted and sharp-tongued in a way that has played well in the Democratic primary and could prove effective against President Trump, but conservatives warn that she can come off as condescending and dismissive. (laughs) Warren is working hard to present herself as a scrappy fighter from Oklahoma, in other words, but to critics, she can come off as the lecturing Harvard professor. For many liberals, the rapid-fire answer showcased her ability to take on Trump, it was genius. It showed the real Elizabeth Warren, said Mary Ann Marsh, a Democratic strategist who is not affiliated with the presidential campaign. It was off the cuff and it was devastating. With a smile, a wink, a turn of the heel, and a chuckle, everybody got it. But Sheinkoff suggested Warren was playing to her liberal studio audience, and he warned such comments could alienate voters in the South and Upper Midwest. Would she say the same thing at a dinner in Birmingham, Alabama, he said? The answer is no. Fuck yes, she would. Republicans Are noted... You Mm, Republicans noted that Warren's comment went beyond stating a position to ridicule those who have a different view on same-sex marriage. It's insulting, said Ari Fleischer. Oh, good. They found him. The former spokesman to President George W. Bush. The notion that there is only one thought that is acceptable, and if you don't hold it, there is no one on earth who should find you attractive, is insulting and demeaning. (laughs) Stand up for the the incels here, too. Oh, let's just... Okay. (laughs) It's a lot to unpack there. I have a lot to say. Fleischer said politicians should avoid disparaging those who disagree with them. Stressing that he has also criticized Trump when he has insulted (laughs) opponents. When? You cannot call people to a higher purpose if you yourself are going to sink to a lower one, he said. What? 
Warren is hardly the first Democrat to be accused by conservatives of being condescending towards white working class Americans. What? Candidate Barack Obama angered some voters in 2008 with his description of bitter working class Americans who cling to guns or religion. Yeah, that really cost him, right? Mm -hmm. Hillary Clinton prompted a backlash in 2016 by labeling some of Trump supporters deplorables. That remark haunted her through the campaign and beyond, and some analysts contend that it helped drive up turnout for Trump. Shut up. Warren what supporters say her acerbic tone Thursday was appropriate, given that it was aimed at people who want to deny gays and lesbians the fundamental right to marry. Several Democrats noted that support for same-sex marriage has grown quickly in the United States, putting Warren's views in line with those of many voters. More than 60% of Americans favor same-sex marriage, according to a Pew Research Center survey. Roughly three-quarters of Democrats... And Democratic-leaning voters supported the poll found. Among Republicans, about 44% of voters favor the policy. And those who do not, Warren supporters say, would be unlikely to support her in any case. Still, one issue for Warren could be how such... Still what? Hold on. One issue for Warren could be how such comments play with black voters, (gasps) some of whom are socially conservative. Warren probably will need to appeal to African Americans to secure the Democratic nomination and win the White House... But has so far made few inroads with the black community. Older and more religious black voters in particular may be less likely to find Warren's joke funny, several strategists said. White strategists, probably, to this white reporter. Mm. I'm not sure how this resonates with older African-American voters, especially African-American women, said Antoine Seawright, a black Democratic strategist based in South Carolina. I'm especially so they're going to vote for Trump then? I'm especially not sure what discussions might carry over to the barbershops this weekend. Okay. They're not going to be talking about Elizabeth Warren nope. in the fucking barbershop. Nope. He added, that's the place in many communities that everyone comes to talk politics and the happenings of the day. Yes, thank you. Warren staff argued that the comments will not hurt her standing. They pointed to the second less viral portion of her answer. Those additional remarks came after CNN host Chris Cuomo pressed her on whether in her earlier years as an Oklahoma Republican she had ever opposed same-sex marriage. She said her position has been consistent, citing her religion. It is about the worth of every human being, Warren said. The hatefulness, frankly, always has really shocked me, especially for people of faith, because I think the whole foundation is the worth of every single human being. John Ziegler, an anti-Trump conservative, said Warren's words conveyed so much generosity. No such generosity. Her message and her body language, he said, telegraphed a dislike of men. (laughs) 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 Oh, baby. Trump voters in places such as the oh, Florida Panhandle and Central Pennsylvania, he said, will think, oh, my God, this woman hates us. Oh, my God. So we weren't going to vote for her before, but now we're really double not going to vote for her. Oh. It plays right into the narrative about her, which is that she's an out-of-touch liberal from Massachusetts and this whole obsession with wokeness that the Democratic Party has where the white male is under attack, Ziegler said. Oh, my God. Can I... Yeah, we really need to try to win over those people, right? Warren's viral moment was the latest example of online combat at which she has often excelled. She recently batted down a conservative troll who made an unsupported accusation that she had an affair with a much younger man by pivoting to her hard scrabble upbringing. She even found a way to play on the term cougar, which is slang for a woman who is involved with a younger man. Thanks for that, Washington Post. It's always a good day to be reminded that I got where I am because a great education was available for $50 a semester at the University of Houston. Go Cougars, she wrote in a tweet that was shared more than 24,000 times. We need to cancel student debt and make college free for everyone who wants it. 
She also hit back quickly this week when conservatives pushed the idea that she had lied about being fired from an early teaching job in the 1970s due to a pregnancy. I'm glad they brought this up. Women across the country came to her defense, and men, some, reacting with their own stories of losing work because they were starting a family. One pollster who spoke on the condition of anonymity because the person works for a competing campaign said the LGBTQ joke highlighted Warren's sense of humor, which the pollster said can be tricky, especially for female candidates. Uh Uh-huh, because women aren't funny. Uh, The joke could appeal in particular to younger voters, the pollster said. Warren's regular stump speech shows flashes of offbeat humor, though it usually follows a fairly rigid script. Thursday, in contrast, Warren appeared to let her guard down. Thought it was funny, offered former Pennsylvania Governor Ed Rendell, who was supporting former Vice President Joe Biden. I would not say in any way, shape, or form that it will slow her candidacy down, writes Annie Linsky, who is a white lady. Okay. Okay. I, I mean, where do I fucking start with this shit? What the fuck? First of all, Tell me the people that were going to vote for Elizabeth Warren who are not going to vote for her now. Can you list them? Uh, you could find a handful, I guess. Who? I don't know. Nobody I Which can think of. Which fragile straight men were going to vote for Elizabeth Warren and now are not? Because Which of, of them the... were like, oh my God, she's amazing because of all of the things. And then she like made a joke and now I hate her. Which... Who? Well, I they're hinting that incels may have been because they were going to go offended. for Elizabeth Warren before, <laughs> right? The powerful, snarky woman who's going to be the president of the United States, but they can't get laid by a woman, and they're like really like that. Who? It was it was the second part of her joke, right? Yes, it was like you go ahead and marry one woman if you can find one, like. And, and then every but the writer and then Ari Fleischer and then one other dude I think they quoted is saying men are going to be offended by this like what men would be offended by that other than an incel right and a lot of people misunderstood her joke because the first part of it a dude asked her the question so she was responding to him she was playing literally by saying like I'm assuming it's a dude who's asking me this question since literally you asked it to me not implying that like women can't be homophobes right. obviously they can right but like since you're a dude I'm assuming I'm gonna just say it's a dude um marry a woman and then the joke is if you can find one because if you have that belief like they're kind of garbage and like that's true yeah it was great it was perfect it's perfect it's perfect like there's plenty which voters did she lose in that moment which ones it's such a dumb article I mean obviously no democratic primary voters were lost in that argument and the insinuation that black voters black voters there is this thing that white people like to do which is create this notion that black voters are really because they don't want to talk about LGBTQ plus rights, right? It's uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. They don't like that this is a core tenant of our party. So they blame black voters. Yeah. And they'll say, well, if you go too hard on the LGBTQ stuff, black people aren't going to like it. And it's like, go fuck yourself. Go fuck yourself. Because they're, regardless of the sort of sometimes homophobia that the black community has to deal with and is dealing with. Every community. Every community. Absolutely. And is dealing with and is doing the work, which I don't know that 
any other community is doing the work, but I know for the sure black they community, are. The Hispanic community, the Jewish community, the Muslim community, every community the white community. Right. Every, uh, every community. religious institution has a problem with gay people. And culture, yes. Okay, so they're talking about older black religious voters is what they're talking about. Right. And go fuck yourself because I would like you to look at the polls. This person said that this is bad because the black community particularly older black women, I think specifically, she said, might not vote for her. And I'm like, I would like to go back to 2016 in which like 98% of black women voted for Hillary Clinton. Yeah. Regardless of her very liberal views about gays. Of course. 98% more than any other demographic. So fucking stop putting that shit on them. Zero, no, zero. Don't do that. It's, It's nonsense. It's fucking racist. It's bullshit. It's calling out a problem that we have within our own party, which is some of us are fucking homophobic and yep. it's bullshit. Absolutely. And it's placing it in this place that's convenient because they have talked about it out loud in ways that other communities have not. Yeah. And what a, what a helpful scapegoat because they've said out loud, we have a problem with this and we need to deal with it. There's more to unpack in that article. Um, the, the main thing that, there's so much and we'll, we'll talk about it all, but the, the main thing that really kind of stuck out to me was that the media loves playing this game. And I think there was even a, an article side by side with this one today about how Trump is saying these crazy offensive things, but his voters aren't abandoning him. Being off the cuff works. Uh, fuck your feelings. Right. And then like Elizabeth Warren says something like, oh, she can't say that. You're not a, you're, That's first gonna of all, make people it's very so upset. Sexist, right? Yes. Like women are not allowed to offend anyone ever. <laughs> We're not allowed to say no. Well, you're not even allowed to have anyone, strong opinions. Have values, have opinions, have boundaries. We have to just be not human and then it's fine. So Elizabeth Warren stated a really clear opinion in a funny joke way that was really effective, and everyone's like, this is terrible. (laughs) But when Donald Trump does it, it's like, oh, that's funny. And you're like, okay, I'm done. I'm done with, I'm just... Well, that's the thing is that not, in fact, most people really got excited by it. And it was a good thing. And then, but then you got to have this contrary view. This bullshit media thing. Don't scare, don't Don't scare who that I need. Who? Do I need if the polls consistently show that sixty and I would argue more like seventy percent of people agree with gay marriage, even forty four percent of Republicans agree, mm-hmm. and if we have seventy cent seventy percent overall people and forty four percent of Republicans and the rest of the Democrats are gonna vote for the nominee in spite of that. Who the fuck do I need that would be offended by that joke? That's actually like convertible. If you're Zero uh, if people. you're Uncle Frank saw this article, right, or saw Fox News and called you up and said, you know, I was starting to like that Elizabeth Warren, but she said that thing about gay marriage and the not finding ever a, a wife, and now I don't like her. Uh, Uncle Frank, you're full of shit. You were never right. going to vote, vote for regardless, Elizabeth Warren. Ever. I don't want to hear your excuses. Go put on your stupid MAGA hat. I get it. Go away. Because this is a thing that happens now in the age of Trump where people are now really embarrassed yes. to have been Trump supporters. Right. And they, they don't want to admit to anyone they want to vote for Trump again, but they, they're not going to vote for a Democrat. Right. Like, they're going to seize on any little thing. Right. To say, oh, well, that, nope, that pushed me over the edge. I got to vote for Trump again. Like, and I'm you're not be like, fooling us. Elizabeth Warren's joke is more important to you than the Kurds and 
Ukraine, the economy, and, and the farmers, and the, and the economy, tariffs, and, and every literal thing else in the world. She made a joke you didn't find funny. Bullshit. Isn't that like being a snowflake and political correctness? <laughs> on that note, we're going to take a break. We might have a few a few more opinions on this. I know Rachel's got some other stuff to talk about. We'll give you just a brief update on all the Rudy Giuliani shenanigans and uh, what's going on God. with impeachment. There's a big week coming up next week on that front. If you want to keep your radar up, uh, we'll talk about that when we get back. impeachment yeah i want to talk about ellen do you want to oh ellen yeah ellen uh well not just ellen i also want to talk about jamila jamil mm-hmm. um, but preface it with what happened uh, okay so I don't exactly remember what happened because I don't follow Ellen on Twitter, okay. but I think she tweeted something to the effect of I'm hanging out with my good buddy, George W. Bush. And isn't that nice <laughs> no. or something like that? No, no. OK, I'll explain. Okay. So um, Ellen was, uh, yes, I think tweeting or like Snapchatting or Instagramming or something. It's Her the MySpace at like a, a box seat at a Dallas Cowboys game. And she wow. like turned her phone around and was like, there's my pretty wife, Portia. And like, there's this rich lady and here's George W. Bush. And then there was like photos that were not from her that were published of her like laughing at his jokes or whatever. And yeah, they were um, having a good old time. together. Yeah, they were having a great time. And so people got mad about it and started tweeting at her and, and sort of commenting on her stuff of saying like, uh, no. Like, that's not an appropriate, like, why would you want to hang out with George W. Bush? And so she felt it um, necessary to, on her show the next day, um, make this sort of statement. And she, like, showed it. And then she was like, a lot of people backlashed about it. But this one guy said this one thing. And he said, watching Ellen DeGeneres and George W. Bush together makes me have faith for the country or something to that. I'm not reading the yes. tweet, right? Yes. And so she like then did this little monologue 
And she explained that, uh, used the word fancy like six times, that like this person who's friends with her wife invited them to the game and it was this very fancy box and she was rooting for the other guys and isn't that funny? And uh, that George W. Bush is in fact her friend. And she's not going to not be friends with people who disagree with her because we should all be friends with people who disagree with us because Mm -hmm. that's the future and we should be nice to everyone. Right. And then a bunch of other famous people chimed in and we're like, yeah. Yay, Ellen. Yeah. That's what we should do. Right. Right. Uh, So I have a different opinion about that. (laughs) Do you? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do too. Um, I, I wasn't as pissed about it. I just kind of more like rolled my eyes and went on with my day. But I was thinking of it, and, and this is how most people reacted, was like, how can you hang out with that war criminal? And yes, but uh, this it's thornier than that. This is Ellen we're talking about and George W. Bush, and I'll let you get into it. George W. Bush is not your creepy uncle who is kind of nice. George W. Bush was the U.S. president for eight years, and... Under his reign for those eight years, um, we had the war in Iraq and Afghanistan, which are ongoing, the longest wars in American history, supported a constitutional amendment to ban gay marriage, um, made the abortion gag rule exist worldwide, such that, uh, if you don't know what that means... um, Charity organizations are not allowed to uh, have access to federal funds if they tell women in uh, countries that we are supporting that abortion is an option Yeah, uh, for unwanted pregnancies. Um, George W. Bush isn't like somebody who disagrees with you. He is a person who enacted policy that harmed and murdered millions of people, not to mention torture. Um, Abu Ghraib I mean this is not a man that's like you know my dad voted for Trump but like I still love him this is a man who was responsible for the torture and death and of millions of people and then on the domestic level like instituting policies that are so regressive and against everything all we these stand for. faith-based initiatives all these abstinent only initiatives yes. he appointed john ashcroft yes. as yes. his ag who is a frothing anti-gay bible thumping asshole it was it was an absolute nightmare for lgbt rights uh and, for and women and then like on a global scale just like we he's a war criminal and i don't say that lightly you look yeah. at what happened in Abu Ghraib and like in, in these places where we literally tortured people, we violated, he violated the Geneva Conventions. So to be friends with him and say to me that I should just be nice to people who disagree with me and that she's allowed to be nice to him because he disagrees with her is, is not right. And the Obamas did it too. Let's. There's video or pictures, I guess, of. Michelle hugging him and yeah, and passing him, him candy, candy and aren't they? Right. Ni- and isn't that great that they're buddies? Look, I get that Trump's a nightmare. Like I get it, and like every president previous to him should be like, "Yep, I wish we had them." Yeah, but that's sugarcoating who George W. Bush was as a president and what his administration wrought for eight years. Yes, I lived through that. And we didn't. We're not even talking about the housing bubble 
right. and, the, and the crisis and, and the and economic the re- collapse. the economic recession that he caused. Like, he was a chaos engine that murdered, tortured, and hurt a lot of people. So to say, like, I'm friends with him is like, okay. Hitler also painted. <laughs> right? Like, yeah. Like, okay. And he liked dogs. And he was a vegetarian. Yeah. Right. right. And in the LGBT community, I think we talked about it in a different way, which I thought, I can't remember who posted this on Twitter, but somebody brought up the idea that, you know, growing up in the 90s, Ellen and RuPaul were trailblazers. They were people that really did um, move the gay movement forward and really did like put a face to nice gays. Mm-hmm. Right? In a way that like Will and Grace, stuff like that, like that stuff like really helped our movement at the time. But what what is the common denominator and, with them? But hold on. But, but yeah. right? I mean, RuPaul, not white, but True. like man, right? So, but what happens is like there's a time when your time is done because you have not moved forward. You have not advanced. No. And we look at this with feminism, with second wave feminists versus third wave or intersectional or whatever you want to call it, um, feminists, which is like, we couldn't have got here without you, Mm -hmm. but now you haven't evolved enough. You're still stuck back then. Right. Or you're refusing to evolve. Right. And, And I think, so I want to talk about that for just a minute, which is like, you know, I look at, um, the kids that are a little younger than me and, and some of them in my generation who are really like gender fucking everything and really talking about like sex and gender and identity in this really like revolutionary way that a lot of these second wave feminists can't get on board with. And when we look at, you know, like well, LGBTQ <laughs> idols from the 90s. Yeah, they're, they're like, talking about stuff scientists have been talking about for decades. Right. And they're like this idea of two genders and to you know uh, binary sexuality XXXY. is ridiculous it doesn't exist and also and, like the brains of transgender children yeah. look different than the brains of cis children and like science is there but but our our icons i think we have to sometimes let them go and ellen mm. is one of those that's hard because you know yeah. i think for a lot of people she was a person who was like the first person who was just like i'm gay and it cost her a lot for a long time to do that. Yeah, and then she guts. came back it and it did. Guts. It did. And so did fucking RuPaul, right? Like and RuPaul's got a real issue with like the drag community and trans people yeah, too. Yeah. And Melissa Etheridge, you know. These yeah. were people that were that they're so popular because they were on top of their game, right? Ellen's had like the most popular sitcom. Melissa Etheridge was winning Grammys. Like they were kind of like, look, this is the time to make a statement. Right. You love and me, America? Guess what? Guess what? I'm gay. Right? And a lot of people couldn't handle that. My parents stopped listening to Melissa Esserich because my mom said that when she listened to it, she realized that she was talking about a woman and it just soured it for her. Yeah, and, I was like, and then oh. that, and that lasted a year or two and now a Melissa Etheridge song comes up, does your mom even know what is her care? No, and she I got think over she's, it. Yeah, totally, right? And like that was important back in the 90s. It was super important. And those folks now, you know, what is it, 20 years later, um, are stuck. But that's important. They're that a different generation. It's important that those people did that, right? Because on the next it episode is. of Ellen, after she came out, it wasn't a lesbian orgy. 
Right. It was the same old show. And the show got canceled. <laughs> right? <laughs> and she didn't have work for 10 years. And then it was like, oh, we like gay people. Ellen, she was the one. Like, so those people, it doesn't discount her importance in, like, my queer history. Mm-hmm. It also just means that, like... <coughs> well, then there was Will and Grace where it says, this is the premise of the show from the start. We're not going to blindside right. you. Watch it if you like it. And then a bunch of people did. Right. And then, like... And now you watch Will and Grace yeah. and you cringe because it's just a bunch of like gay stereotypes and yeah, like fag hack stereotypes. It's awful. And it's just yeah. like, ugh. But, but that's all America could <laughs> handle at the time, right? But they handled it. They did. And it helped. Right. That does not mean that Ellen is this person who has like no flaws. Well, let's talk about class. That's the other part. Because. Right? But, but. No, go ahead. Finishing my point about this because it's important for queer history to point out. And feminist history, too, that, like, you're the people who, they brought us as far as they could, right? Like, second wave feminists brought us all the way to, like, sexual harassment codified into law. Yeah. And, like, marital rape being illegal. And, like, a lot of really fucking important things. Fuck, the suffragettes got us voting rights. Yeah. But didn't consider black women. Like, these these people did amazing things and brought us as far as they could. And then they couldn't bring us any further. And so we need to look to different icons after that. And we don't need Ellen right now because Ellen is stuck in, what is she, like 50 or 60, Mm -hmm. right? She's stuck in that queer mythology back then of like, everybody be nice. And if I can be the most palatable lesbian on earth, I can get mainstream access. I can get mainstream acceptance. And she did. And that's amazing. And what she's done with mainstream access is accept it and assimilate into it and not consider the other part of the community. So, like, um, all I'm saying is, like, Ellen did a lot of great things. All these women, all these people have done great things. And sometimes their time is done. Did I ever tell you my Ellen second two degrees of separation story? No. Um, this This is a true story. Do you remember when Ellen... It's not funny. It's actually kind of horrible. Um... It's just a weird connection. Remember when Ellen was married to Anne Heche? Or yeah. they were I don't know if they were married officially then because I don't think it was legal, but they were... Well, Anne, right, Anne Heche left uh, Lou Diamond Phillips for Ellen. And then she left Ellen for a guy named Coley Lafoon. I don't know who that is. But. He was a camera guy who was working on one of her movies. Mm. And I... That guy was a high school classmate and lacrosse teammate of mine wow yeah wow. yeah and he like he was in the tabloids and i was like oh him like that's a, such an odd name right like, right you don't meet too many coley lafoons out no there. i don't think so uh he was just this very sort of typical rich south florida white guy not really a nice guy in any he was nice to me because i was part jock in high school mm. but you know just kind of a creep and an asshole <laughs> really and she left Ellen for this guy and then they divorced because he was a creep and an and asshole and thus the bisexual yes yeah that's what I was but anyway that's a whole other topic that's my Ellen connection um anyway anyway bisexuals are just like everyone else and she could have left a man for a different yes. man and then a different man and she would still be yeah because everyone <laughs> well I've told you about this awful movie I saw right uh. where the, this woman is gets out of a bad marriage relationship is decides to try being a lesbian and then she's really not and then it's supposed to be funny or heartwarming i don't know anyway yeah anyway that's very 90s but so this so 
I want to get talk about class. Yeah, I do too because I think that's the underlying girder right of all of this is class. If you're if you're new to us, this will be a new rant. If you listen for us long enough, you'll know that I've bitched about this incessantly. The right loves talking about how, oh, you know, real America is not about these elite Hollywood types and mm-hmm. and rich, you know, Harvard all people rich and mm-hmm. like, you know. I, I, I've never really cared about that. Like, it, it is true that most of the, you know, music and and Hollywood elite and intelligentsia, famous intelligentsia, do lean left. Mm-hmm. They do. And, mm-hmm. you know, for whatever reasons you want to say, they do. But I don't care so much. If they want to donate and they want to, if they have good messaging, then then great. That's fine. But right. like I've never liked an oh you stop picking on the, my Hollywood idols and rock stars right like, fuck them like, like people are like criticizing Leonardo DiCaprio on his climate change stuff because he bangs twenty year olds exclusively and then he's pushing fifty <laughs> and I'm like that's a valid thing to say about him and I don't I'm not gonna defend Leonardo DiCaprio right yeah. like I don't give a shit that he's like. I don't care. He's just a. He's not the most important voice to me, no. and I don't care. It's right. fine if you criticize him for that. Right, That's and 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 like the right wing has a point in saying that these people are out of touch. Like I agree to a to an extent with them, ironically, and it just comes to light proving true when you have all this support for Ellen. Um, with these other rich assholes saying like, "Yeah, we're all in the rich people club together," and you lay off. It's like be nice. Okay, That's what we're doing, huh? Okay, so mm. because it was like Lenny Kravitz and a bunch of other people were coming a bunch out, bunch of white de- women who were famous, this. and just like, no, this is the message that we need: is just be nice. And you're like, do you actually live in the world? Which is the answer is no. But right? that's the point: is if you're another rich asshole, like you were never super really affected by any of George W. Bush's horrible policies, other than you would watch the news and it would make you sad, right? Right. Like you, you and your kid didn't get shipped off to war. You didn't have to deal with being denied being um, married, or maybe you did, but now it's fine because you're rich and married. And then you couldn't have a problem getting contraception. Like if if you have money, you can overcome a lot of the shit that the right wing yes. um, puts on us. Yes, yes. So yeah. So in some ways, like to my friend Lori's. Point, which we're going to have her on the podcast soon. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, economic inequality is something that, like, this is a perfect showcase for. Like, you know, she's a Bernie fan, but also, like, loves Elizabeth Warren or whatever. And she was just saying, like, you know, this message is not one-fold. It's two-fold. It's a lot of people believe in this. And this idea that, like, it, it does, to Bernie's point and to Elizabeth Warren's point, like, Class is a super important part of intersectionality. Yeah. And when you look at a bunch of rich white people colluding with like fucking George W. Bush and being like, no, you should be nice to everyone. It's like, oh, because literally like class is the thing that divides us. Yes. And when we talk about white working class voters and and blue blue collar voters and and, you know, whatever. And then like it's class and like that's true there's other factors obviously that i think are important yeah but fundamentally i think that like class is the thing that like 
brings us together. And, and I don't know if we talked about this last week, but again, I think it was again the Washington Post who really seems to have like New York Post does a hard on for everything, but Washington Post seems to have a hard on for trying to knock Elizabeth Warren down a peg for whatever reason. <laughs> and they had this thing where Wall Street Democratic donors were warning if Warren yes. is the candidate, they're 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 going to stay home. And and we're right. thinking. Great. Like, is this supposed to be something we're worried about or we're right. going to get like, upset about? Like, is that a about? bad thing when Wall Street is like, oh, Elizabeth Warren's really bad for us? And we're like, <laughs> oh, is that a campaign ad for Elizabeth Warren? Like, right. that's a great thing. So, <laughs> jumping off of that, if I can really quick, did mm-hmm. you hear about what she did? Uh, she's, she's been doing a lot of things. She's pissed off about Facebook. Right now. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah. she's pissed off that they... They're allowing fake news. Are allowing fake news on the site. Again. Specifically from Trump's campaign. So she posted an ad that said that Mark Zuckerberg had... Endorsed politi- Had Trump. endorsed Trump. <laughs> Which, of course, he hasn't. And she did that. And inside of the ad, she says... This, this is, is a lie. not true. This yeah. is a lie. But I'm lying to you right now, but you're going to see it anyway. And I'm going to pay a bunch of money so you see it. Because I want you to understand that Facebook is allowing me to say that Mark Zuckerberg has endorsed Donald Trump, even right. though he hasn't. Right. Because they're allowing Donald Trump to lie right. to you. And I'm like, it's fucking brilliant. It is brilliant. And the, it's and wonderful. Some Facebook spokesman was like, well, that's okay. But I'm sure Zuckerberg is like, motherfucker. What the fuck? Right? <laughs> yeah. Right? But like. I don't know if it's going to change look, anything. I don't either. Because but he wants that it's sweet, a good fucking sweet ad. Russian money. It's a good ad mm-hmm. for her, and part of her, you know, campaign promise is like, I'm going to break up big tech companies. Like, so she doesn't need Mark Zuckerberg's money, and she's not going to take it, and he's not going to give it to her, because her thing is like, they have too much power, they have too much information about the American people, and they have too much money, and so I want to break up Google and Facebook, and that's and, part and of her, like, and campaign, and they're and just they like, hmm. Like Maybe Donald Trump is best for us. And right. that makes me be like, I'm for Elizabeth Warren. <laughs> you know? So, yeah. So the, the the Ellen thing, I think, blindsided a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, and it's like, because it is about class. Yeah. And ultimately, you know, there's a, there's an age gap. And, and obviously, when it comes politically happening right now, and there's a class gap. Yeah. And a lot of that goes hand in hand, right? Because the older generation was afforded on having regular jobs and one income to like yes. live comfortably now. Yes. And we don't, we don't have that luxury. Yes. Our generation. No. Um, so there's a lot of it goes hand in hand. Right. But especially the upper, upper class, like when our parents like those rich Hollywood elites were like, yeah, fuck them. Yeah. Fuck them. Yeah. I don't give a shit about them. Yeah. Oh, they're donating to Democrats. That's nice. Who cares? They're not my, they're right. Not my or buddies. when they're like, Oh, this very corrupt man, Donated to Democrats. I'm like, I bet. I bet. Sure he did. Sure he did. Yeah. I can point to 50 people. Of, I can point to every Hollywood elite who's donated to some, you know, Jeffrey Epstein's entire life was built on mm-hmm. donating money to politicians for access. Yes. Like his life is basically a case example of class bullfuckery. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So and Harvey Weinstein did a lot of it too. Right. So we got about 20 minutes left. I guess we're going to have to pivot to Trump news. Yeah. Tell me what's going on. Well, first of all, yesterday, uh, it was very unfortunate that within just a, like a mile of each of us, uh, Greta Thunberg was here at the big park nearby. Pacific Center speech, Park, yeah. And we couldn't, we couldn't see it. No. Well, that's work. I drove by as people were getting there, um, but it, it drew a really big crowd, and she was great, and we love her. And yeah, literally, we were... 
within spitting distance and we couldn't get there because yeah. we are working stiffs that can't go on Twitter and talk about how great it is that Ellen is friends with George W. Bush. Right. Anyway, uh, yesterday on the Hill, the uh, former, amb- uh, I want to say the ambassador to the Ukraine testified she was uh, basically kicked off because she wouldn't let, I guess, Rudy and his pals do their bullshit uh Okay. Uh, I don't know any of this, so you're like informing yeah, me as I, you're informing our audience. So like, <laughs> I literally, I just unplugged for two days. So like, I, did, did I don't Jovanovich, know. Jovanovich, or I forget what her name is. She testified for a long time and basically, you know, said it's all corrupt. Rudy and and his two henchmen buddies, uh, his two buddies trying to board a plane to Europe or the east somewhere were uh, arrested. Um, what? Yeah, you didn't hear about this? No, I literally didn't look at the news. Okay, uh, Froman, Froman and... This I is the, the one that the name. Comic Sans letter was written about? Sort of. It all okay. melds together. All right. But anyway, two of Rudy's associates for these big Republican donors who have basically been funneling, excuse me, funneling Russian money into Republican campaigns, not only Trump's, but um, Kevin McCarthy and a bunch of other Republicans. Oh. Um, yeah, we're, we're basically arrested for um, finance violations. Campaign finance? Campaign finance violations. So like, but in okay. addition, there's, there's probably a lot of other stuff that they've been doing. And basically, so this is, this is a rule, right? Whenever you see Trump or one of Trump's surrogates for Republicans accusing a Democrat of something, it's, it's almost it, certain that somebody on the Republican Party is going to be arrested for it. It's literally what <laughs> they are doing. It's like it's like the most it's obvious so weird, poker right? tell. It's so weird in the world. So it's when it's when you're monogamous and you decide that like your partner is definitely cheating on you and you accuse <laughs> them of it constantly. Yeah, because you just you're started cheating. Somebody, yeah. <clears throat> that's when you're like the most just like obviously you're fucking that coworker that you have to sit next to and you accuse them of it constantly because because it kind of piqued, piqued my interest that like the actual accusations against Joe and Hunter Biden are vague but the scenario is specific they're like mm. Joe and Hunter Biden did this thing in Ukraine whereby they they had this corrupt deal to make this oil and gas money and I'm like Okay, you're not providing any specifics hmm. of what they did, but it's a very specific scenario yeah. you're coming up with here. How's that? Well, guess what? It turns out that's exactly what Rudy was doing with these two guys and why he forced, uh. why he got Pompeo to, or he tried to get Tillerson to force out the former Ukraine ambassador. Um, Rudy and his buddies and Trump's buddies stood to make a lot of money with some oil and gas deals in Ukraine and it was really shady what they were doing and Manafort is is sort of peripherally involved and now they've tried to turn around and say that that's what the Bidens were doing which they weren't <laughs> and also of course um, the whole thing on Manafort was a ploy by the Ukrainian government to interfere in the 2016 election on behalf of Hillary Clinton right. as if people are going to be like oh right the guy you said was a coffee fetcher the the news about his corruption is was helping Hillary Clinton somehow. Oh, and by the way, he 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 didn't face charges in the Ukraine. He faced charges right here in the United States. It is so ridiculous, but that's what they're going with, and that's what they're going to keep trying to push. And okay. and like Bill Barr's flying around the world to pretend like he's getting he's gathering evidence for this. Um. So anyway, Rudy's associates 
were arrested, and now it's been confirmed by like 800 different sources that Rudy is under the spotlight too and could very well be indicted himself. Oh, and Don Jr.'s got a hand in this too. So that's happening. Also uh, happening is that starting on Monday, the uh, impeachment hearings really get underway. Um, A bunch of very important people are coming to testify. There's so many of them, and it's happening so fast, I don't even remember the names. Just keep your eye on the news and on C-SPAN next week. Can we just talk about, like... Trump has literally said, yes, I withheld money from the Ukraine. Mm -hmm. Prior to that, he said, of course I asked them to investigate Joe Biden. Yeah, Republicans are still hung up on the whistleblower. And I'm like, so he's admitted to a crime now multiple times in front of the news media. Mm -hmm. And he's doubling down on his right to do that. Again, to normalize it, as we talked about last week. Um, so uh, the impeachment hearings at this point, like, it's not like Watergate where like, they're trying to like cover things up and not let us have access to things. It's like, well, they still are. He's on the news being like, yes, I withheld aid. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, so we don't really need the whistleblower. We don't really need (laughs) the call. We don't really need the transcript. You do, because you have to piece it all together and show from point A to point B and lay it all out. You you do have to do that. Yeah. I mean, we have, I think we have everything we need. So I, I, I don't know. It's, it's just so bizarre to me that he is, I mean, it makes sense, I guess, from a sort of strategic position. If you just go out and say like, the crime I did was not a crime. Well, the latest thing that that's has, his strategy, right? Mike, the crime I did is not a crime. The latest thing. Well, yeah, that's ultimately that's what he's going to say. Strategy. Um, but right now the right is in a tizzy because the first whistleblower, remember there's a second whistleblower out there who could, you know, that could explode any second. Right. Who but, actually like heard the phone. Call. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But the first whistleblower, because they yell hearsay, hearsay, hearsay. Uh, the first whistleblower who now we know because the New York times is trying to dox this this guy mm-hmm. we know is a CIA operative. Right. And now the right is in a tizzy because it's been revealed that this CIA operative worked with Joe Biden when Joe Biden was vice president. Okay. Well, yes, Joe Biden was vice president. So it stands to reason he was working with a high level CIA I- intelligence operative, operative on, su- on who knows what. I mean, on lots look, of things. I was the assistant to a super corrupt guy, uh, but I didn't know any... I, we didn't do corrupt things together. Do you know what I mean? Like I was like his assistant. Right. But no, that's supposed to prove that this is some sort of inside job. So it's an inside job. It's an inside job. Okay, right. good. Even though, Biden. even though everything in the whistleblower complaint Trump has admitted to, so it's completely so irrelevant. it's an inside job to accuse Trump of doing something he openly admits to doing? Right. That's what they're going with. Good luck with that. I mean, so Joe Biden convinced Trump to break the law? Or yeah. he convinced a guy to say that Trump broke the law, but then Trump's like, no, I totally did. Anyway. I mean, I don't know. What's the fucking angle? That's the, you, that's it. That's the angle. Okay. It's, it's you throw, have to be so stupid. It's throw everything against the wall and see what sticks. I mean, I, okay. Okay. Uh, anyway, uh, the last 10 minutes, we better talk about the clusterfuck that's happening in Turkey Can Tur- you please Turkey right explain? Now. Because I think it's really... I, I learned a lot from you about this in the last week, and I would like you to explain to our audience what, who are the Kurds, why does this matter, why is it horrible? Okay, the, the Kurds are sort of like the Palestinians in, in and around Israel. 
Um, they are they are an ethnic minority who's uh, very devout. They're Muslim. Um, they are very, very rugged, very militant, very strong, and very, very um, attacked. Um, Saddam right. did not like them and, and went after them. And uh, the Turks have gone after them and don't like them. And ISIS, is, you know, they, but they are some of the most fierce fighters in the world. I and mean, and they've been on our side, right? In terms of like, yes, they were not like ISIS, and we, not and, yes, like, and we, and we've hung them out to dry multiple times. Um, George H. W. Bush did it uh, after we left, uh, after we we withdrew after the first Gulf War when we liberated Kuwait, mm-hmm. and we didn't go all the way and and get Saddam. Mm-hmm. We said, Saddam, you leave those Kurds alone. And Saddam said, yeah, sure, sure. And and Saddam went after the Kurds, and the Kurds said, help us, please. And George H.W. Bush said, no, you're on your own. Hmm. So that sucked. This is way back in, like, 1991. Yeah. And now in the latest, the fight against ISIS, the Kurds, not only did they fight heroically and bravely and with incredible ferocity... Um, very much in the spirit of if you're a a World War II buff, the way that the Poles in the Warsaw Uprising in the ghetto held off the the full force of the SS and the Nazi army for weeks and weeks and weeks when they were incredibly outgunned and outmanned and out everything. And um, but in this case, the Kurds actually kind of won. I mean, obviously with American help and Allied help, right. But, they were able to like withstand yeah. that force and hold their territory and and hold back ISIS and and and, and just sort of like and hold a lot of it. ISIS prisoners. <coughs> right. Then last week, Trump has a call with Erdogan, who is the dictator of Turkey, and basically says that that area, that region. Trump says, well, I'm, I'm going to go ahead. Or Erdogan asks him, you know what I would like? I would like you to pull your forces out. Why does Turkey want, why does Turkey not like the Kurds? Um, or why do they want that area? Or what is, it, it's why? like It's like a sectarian okay. um, rivalry that goes back decades, if not centuries. Okay. Between the Turks and the Kurds. Okay. And so now the Kurds are under assault and to make matters worse, Thousands of ISIS fighters are basically have been set loose because of this, because Trump withdrew American forces and has allowed chaos to reign. And, and even Republicans, even Lindsey yeah. Graham at all, are like, "What the fuck what are the we doing? What the fuck are you doing?" So, can I ask you a question? Yeah. What is the strategic purpose? Like, why would Trump do that? Because Putin ordered him to. That's what I was going to get to. People are asking the wrong questions and making the wrong assumptions. Like there were people like, why is Trump doing this? And, and, and someone said there was a phone call and Trump just got rolled by Erdogan. He wanted to get off the phone and he got fooled. No, he didn't. No, he is under orders. This is some sort of quid pro quo with Putin. Why does Putin want this? Uh, Because Putin wants as much instability in the region and for Europe and for NATO as possible. Remember, Turkey's a NATO country. Right, which Trump keeps saying. Yeah. 
so this this you know i mean uh these people who helped us have helped us historically multiple times in really meaningful ways mm -hmm. and who are a marginalized group inside of a chaotic situation right region we just feed them to the fucking wolves yes. anytime we want to and we still expect them to be allegiant to us the next time because we have shared goals I, it's just very it's hard for me to understand why we why we would do it and also like why we would expect them to ever it gets even worse uh, help because us again or yeah. like and also like they're just being slaughtered mm-hmm. like this Right? They're just being slaughtered. Like, Turkey came in and just, like, air-bombed them. Oh, ground forces, air, everything. Now, we're not getting great coverage. Our media is not no, doing the I know. Best I job. have to go to, like, Al Jazeera and shit yeah. to be like, what is going on? To covering this, unfortunately. Uh, they're not doing the best job. Richard Engel is a great guy to follow. He's been in that region forever. He yeah. he really, he literally, like, gets on the ground and dodges landmines to tell you what's going on on the ground. Yeah. So Richard Engel from NBC is a good one to follow. Um, and this is chaos. And, and it is really bizarre. And it's a really bizarre timing as you were, as if you're Trump and you're trying to hold on to your congressional Republican support and then you gut punch them. Right. It is bizarre. And it, it, it just goes to show that, Trump. He literally doesn't give a shit. Like it's he is he is beholden to someone else. Exactly. Who has different interests than the United States. And and the press is not Fury. not doing a very good job of getting to the bottom of what that's all about. Or who that might be. Yes. Or why we might be doing that. Exactly. And when congressional Republicans are being like, This is fucked paraphrasing. Like, we should be like, why is he doing it? So why yeah. are the press not being like, why are you doing this? Right. This is fucked. Yeah. They're just like, he's doing it. I think I, everybody other than Rand Paul or one or two other lickspittle assholes from Republicans, if they're not commenting, they're, you know, they're like, this is fucked. I don't know why we're doing this. I sure hope he changes his mind. And then we're now we're going to do sanctions on Turkey. Well, that's not punishing Trump. That's not holding Trump to task. No. But... Anyway, they'll get over it really quickly because they have to circle the wagons to protect Trump. So they'll try to move on from this really fast. Well, and then he was like, it's fine if ISIS escapes. It's just into Europe. Yeah, he said all kinds of bizarre shit And you're like, what the fuck does sense. that mean? <laughs> oh, good. That's great. So let's just tell our European allies, like, sorry about the Kurds or whatever. I know they were holding ISIS off, but they're your yeah, problem now. Yeah, and if they're now, in Europe, they couldn't get here, right? They couldn't get here. Obviously, there's no, like, planes from Europe to the U.S. Or boats or, like, or anything else. Yeah. It's just, it's just... Remember, remember uh, a couple years ago when our dads thought ISIS was the most important thing ever? Literally, in the Republican polls, the most the greatest threat to the United States of America. The, is ISIS. the scariest, most important thing. And every time there was a mass shooting, everybody was screaming the about reason maybe we it had was ISIS. Islam ba- bans, right? Yes. Muslim bans. Yeah. The reason we had Muslim bans because of ISIS. And now it's like, eh. Well, no, it's fine. They'll just be in Europe. Oh, okay. So ISIS is good now. Europe is not. Russia is great. Um, the Kurds don't matter. And like, I'm like, look, I want to talk to my dad and be like, the fuck? The literal fuck is happening. You I know, want to like rewind you three years and be he'll like, he'll say it's Obama's fault somehow. Well, it's really Obama's fault. 
It's Obama's fault that Trump is like, we don't care about ISIS. No, I, Was I don't. ISIS, I, it just, I can't imagine. I, I'm not going to engage him on this subject, but I can't imagine what they must be thinking in their like heart of hearts. Uh, no, most of them never really cared. It was just something to use as a cudgel. Hey, aren't those Muslims scary? See, we need a Muslim ban. Hey, right. aren't those Muslims scary? See that Obama d- did didn't do something right, and that's why we're in this problem. I really hate brown and black. People. Right, and now when Trump is doing it, uh, moving on. Uh, isn't the J- Joe Biden the corruption in Ukraine really bad? Yeah, that's what I care. But about not now. that they are going to interfere. With I don't. Corruption. I don't care about ISIS anymore. I care about corruption in mm-hmm. Ukrainian mm-hmm. oil and gas yep. conglomerates. Yep, that's the greatest threat to the United States, that's, for sure. That's what I care about. Yep. Because these people actually don't care about anything but having power. The evangelicals care about stuff. We just talked about we that. We talked about that. But you're, they're getting exactly what they wanted, so they're fine with this, but too. But your rank and file, your dad, Republican, something, something, small government, keep your hand off my gun, whatever... They no. don't really care about anything. No. They obviously don't really care obviously. about Obviously. I mean, this is proof of it. How much support is Trump actually going to lose over None. serving up the Kurds and setting ISIS free? None. 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 And the Washington Post will let us know and New York Times will let us know because they'll interview the eight white people in the diner and they say, we yeah. still love Trump. Because yeah. that, for some reason, is news. Right. Anyway... That's going to do it for us. There's some stuff we didn't get to as usual, but, you know, we only right. have 90 minutes. Uh, find us online at Irreverent Duo on Twitter. And anything else you got? No. We're going to have some guests, hopefully, in the next few weeks, we are. maybe. So there's Stay that. Stay active. Blah, blah, blah. As usual. The world is melting down. Do your best. Take care of yourself. We'll see you next time.